Radio War Stories on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Uh, this week, we're going to talk to a guy named Phil Loose. The Loose Man is what he goes by on the radio, and he's got a story about a contest where people threw up and cried and vomited, and it was terrible, and we'll talk about that. Also, a prize they gave away, which was a suck bomb of a prize. Uh, I'll tell you about a prize we gave away at a radio station that was also very much deceptive and a suck bomb of a prize, but kind of funny. Uh, one thing that I was going to share with you before we get to Phil is we talk about a radio convention. It's called Morning Show Boot Camp, and it's a morning show convention that we do like pretty much every year. We didn't do it last year because of the pandemic, but we did it virtually. Uh, but basically, a bunch of morning DJs from all over the country fly to a city like uh, Atlanta or Chicago or New Orleans or wherever, and, uh, and we meet and we exchange ideas and we do panels of like, you know, there's a panel of like women in radio, there's a panel for podcasting, and it's a whole lot of fun. But I had to tell a story to just show you uh, about how petty some radio people can be. And, and I don't think there's any other business that you'll see stuff like this happen. So I was at the bar and this was quite a while ago, but I still worked here in the Twin Cities. And across the bar from me, it was one of those square bars, um, was one of my competitors. And this is one of those nasty competitors, the kind of guy that talks about you on his radio show and talks shit about you and your wife and your kids, which he did all three. Um, and that was his tactic, which he basically stole from Howard Stern. Uh, to get me to talk about him, to retaliate. So there he is across the bar from me, and I'm chatting with my friend, and the bartender brings over two glasses of water. And I'm like, what, what's this? He goes, it's compliments of the guy across the bar. A couple of glasses of water. And I look across the bar, and this guy and his little sidekick buddy were smirking like it was the funniest thing ever. And because, oh, what an insult. They sent me a glass of water. How immature, how fucked up is that, that there are people like that? I hope there's not people like that in your business. But radio people are full of people like that. Now, I'm not, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I don't talk to this guy, but I'm going to guess that all these years later, he hopefully doesn't still act that way because it was just really like, are you serious? Here's what I should have said, because my friend's like, um, um, send him back, you know, send him back, like, a, I don't know, send him a glass or whatever. And I said, no, we're just going to ignore it, because I've always chosen to take the high road. But I thought later, I thought, I should have sent him a shot of their most expensive scotch and said, hey, this is on Dave, because Dave's kicking your ass in the ratings, and he can afford it. Now, of course, I thought of that later. Those are never any good until you think, you know, they, they don't come to you at the time, but I would have loved to send over a couple of $50 shots of like whatever scotch and said, this is from Dave. He's kicking your ass in the ratings and he can afford it. How petty would that be? All right, let's get to our podcast guest this week. It is Phil Loose, the Loose Man. I hope you enjoy it on Take a Shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything. Here we go. You 
You know, it's so funny. So many people in radio have a, a fake radio name. My real name is not Dave Ryan, and I always get mad at myself for not coming up with a badass radio name like, you know, like a Quentin Tarantino or not that he's a radio guy, but like a Ryan Seacrest or Elvis Duran or, you know, Mojo or something like that. Um, and I'm talking with uh, Phil Luce. But that's not the name you use on the uh, on your radio show. First of all, Phil, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's my pleasure, Dave. I'm a big fan. I like the podcast, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm a fan of your work as well. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So there's already, before we even get started with the meat of the podcast, you've already got a story about how you came up with your radio name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't come up with it. Okay. Uh, A lot of, as as you know, in radio, you don't come up with your own nickname. Somebody gives you a nickname and it just sticks. I think that's how these guys like Mojo and stuff get their nicknames. Somebody gave it to them and it just stuck. So I go by the loose man on the air and, um, and, and I really hated it for the longest time, but I had a consultant once because I wanted to change it back and uh, just do my regular name. And, and she said, uh, no, that's great. Got to keep that name. It was Jay Albright. I don't know if you know Jay Albright. She I do. Was, yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. She she insisted that I keep the name. So here I am with the name. But so going way, way back uh, in my first days of radio, I was doing weekends at, uh, funny, the station I still work at, which is hilarious. I've been at the same station my whole career. And uh, so I'm doing weekends and I'm coming on shift and a guy who was before me who was... I don't, I don't even know how long he was there. He must have just been going out as I was coming in. He introduces me as that loose guy. Oh, coming up next, it's that loose guy. And <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of fun. And next thing you know, the PD starts calling me that loose man. And then I'm the loose man. And then next thing you know, it's the loose man on the air. I'm the loose man. And then when I was 18, 19 years old, it was really fun. So when I got out of radio, I got out of radio for a spell. About 10 years I was out. When I come back in in 2004, the uh, guy who hired me back said, all right, the loose man, you're back. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do the whole loose man thing. No, dude, you got to do the loose man. You're the loose <laughs> man. You're the only loose man. So, all right. all right. I guess I'm doing the And then I went to the consultant who I thought would back me up and thought it was stupid. <laughs> and she loved it more than, than the guy did. So, yeah, there you go. So here I am. You know that's so funny because I, um, you know, there's so many goofy radio names out there, you know, like Crisco is a guy that used to work on our show <laughs> yeah. and his, and he got the name because he was working at the subway and he was, you know, fucking around and he threw a knife at a can of Crisco or like a plastic container of Crisco, pulled the knife out. And of course it, you know, spurted and glugged all over like a, you know, a, a, a six foot long party sub. And, uh, so they had to get the party sub out. So they wiped the Crisco off with napkins and didn't do a very good job. So we nicknamed him Crisco. Um, uh, but you know, whatever works, I think that's what, yeah. that's what it is. You know, Mojo was probably a nickname when he first started out. He's a big DJ in Detroit. Yes. And, um, but now, Mo- yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. And I don't even know his real, I don't even know his real name because right. it just works. But you know, no, I always feel a little bit. People are unimpressed with your nickname when they find out how you got it. I, right. Uh, I was doing an, a celebrity interview with uh, uh, was Tiffany Amber Thiessen. You remember her from, you know, of course. so I'm doing this interview with, and she wanted to know how I got the name, the loose man. So when I told her, she's like, Oh, 
I'm kind of disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I thought there'd be some kind of a scandalous story there. So anyway, well, very impressive. You've been working at the same station for basically your entire career. What? 16, 17 years now. 16, Um, 16 this year and 21 altogether. And you and I know I've been here for 28 years and uh, that is like an eternity. I mean, 16 years at one station is an eternity. Um, so congrats on being there. Where are you anyway? Tell me the market you're in. Uh, Kurt Cobain's hometown, Aberdeen, Washington. No kidding. Really? Um, I grew up down the street from Kurt. Are you serious? Absolutely. Yeah. It's my one. Did you, did you know him? I would as, lie as, and say that we hung as, out. Did you know him? As a kid. I didn't know him after he'd gone off and got famous. Uh, I mean, I knew him as, uh, as we were children, um, up until about, we were probably 13, 14 years old. His sister was closer in age to me. So I knew her really well, but, um, I, I had some run-ins with Kurt when we were growing up riding bikes, that sort of thing down in the neighborhood. Um, but after he got off and went famous, I doubt he'd even remembered who I was. If he saw me, he'd probably recognize me, but you know. I'll bet he'd, I, I, I think he'd be surprised. I think he would have. But did you, I mean, what was he like? What was Kurt Cobain like when you guys were both like kids? Quiet. Yeah. Quiet. He was so quiet all the time. Uh, half the time you wouldn't know he was even around. He was so quiet. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, I, I have one funny Kurt Cobain story people seem to like is when I got bullied once by Kurt. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> if you will. He had this deal with, with his sister. He didn't like boys hanging around his sister for whatever reason. And at this time he'd already, the parents had been divorced. I think he was living in Montesano, which is a town about 10 miles up the road. And uh, so he wasn't living at the house where he grew up in, but his sister and his mother were. And Kim would always say, if my brother comes here, you gotta, you gotta jump out the window. We're on the second story, by the way, cause he'll, he'll want to beat you up. I'm like, what? Okay. okay. So he comes home and catches me in the backyard with the sister. And he had a couple of his buddies with him. And and this is just, I'm like nine, ten years old. And I remember he had one of his friends hold my head up to the wood fence in the backyard. It had a knot hole in the fence. And he put my eye right up to the fence. And he was on the other side. Kurt Cobain of Nirvana. So on the other side of this fence with a stick. And he's going, I'm going to poke your eye out. <laughs> I'm poke your eye out. And I'm like, no, Kurt, don't poke my eye out. It was, yeah. And that was. Which uh, is. As it's got to be terrifying when when you're nine years old and there's a bigger kid threatening to poke your eye out. And Kurt wasn't wow. that big; he was just a couple years older. He was probably smaller than me, but but his buddies were about regular size. What a great story! Wow. And you know what? I mean, if that had just been like another kid from the neighborhood, you probably wouldn't even remember that. Nope. But it's freaking <laughs> Kurt Cobain! Wow, that is a badass story, Phil. Well, we're off to it. We're off to a good start. Um, uh, so basically radio war stories is about the stuff that we radio people have seen and done and things that went horribly wrong. Maybe something that went really, really well, or something that got too big or something that just, you know, you'll never forget it. And, um, there's so many different stories. I want to start off with one. I mean, usually it's a promotion gone bad. (laughs) And I think in your case, you have a bit that you were going to talk about called, the worst seats to the best seats in the house contest. Yeah, that was uh, when you were talking with Rick Rumble about some things that gone bad. This uh, immediately came to my mind was I was uh, just gotten back 
into radio. So about 2005, I'd been back about a year and our program director was this uh, 21 year, probably 22 then, 22 year old guy who was actually a big dude in Nashville. Now I won't say his name. I don't want to embarrass him, but okay. uh, uh, he came up with this uh, idea of doing this big promotion around this country artist that was, um, I think she was more famous for writing songs than as an artist, but uh, her name was Jamie O'Neill and she just had a successful single and we got her to come to Aberdeen and play a local casino. So we're like, we're all excited. We're going to have a really big show and we got to do something big with this. So, you know, Ryan comes up with this big uh, contest where he calls from the word. What do you think of this? From the worst seats of the house to the best seats in the house. We're going to put 10 toilets in Zelasco Park, which is this park in the downtown area. We're going to put 10 toilets and we're going to make people sit on them. And then they got to stay there until the last one sitting. And then they win the tickets to the show. Plus they were gonna win, right. Plus they were going to win uh, two recliners from a local furniture store, real nice leather recliners that we were going to take to the venue, put it in the front row. So they were going to send the recliners and then the casino was going to wait on them hand and foot with snacks and whatever while the show was going on, which was I love this. It's a great idea. So we're all excited about it. And we get down to the park and. The plumbing, this plumbing company comes and they're putting like the just the grossest looking toilets you've ever seen. Like these are old, used up toilets. They're not brand new by any. Okay, <laughs> they're all in the park. So everybody gets in position. Now we had this GM who was notorious for just changing rules. Okay, because things weren't moving fast enough. So what happens? is the, the GM shows up and she's, she, she's thinking this thing's going to be over with in an hour. And we're like, no, no, we're going to be here a while. No, she's thinking no, it'll be over like in an hour. Well, in an hour and a half, two hours roll by, it's not over. So she's trying to come up with ways to get it over faster. So she starts making up rules. <laughs> so now, okay, everybody's got to drink a bottle of water and then we'll wait. So we wait half an hour, nobody. So then, all right, everybody's got to drink a bottle of water. Every 15 minutes. Oh, God. Okay. So now they're doing it. And no, and nobody's questioning this, by the way, which is, I think is great. None of the contestants, nobody's questioned the fact that it wasn't ever in the rules. Yeah, right. So they're drinking the water. And um, one of the first things that we noticed was there was a young girl in the contest who was probably 15 and you had to be 18. But for whatever reason, she got in and. I guess she'd listened to the station a long time and knew some people, so they just let her stay in. Well, she throws up after about four bottles of water. Okay. She pukes. And new rule, if you puke, you're out. Okay, new rule. Yes, puke and you're out. Okay. You're out. Okay, great. That's great. Then another person throws up into a bag. And they're they're actually, I think we even have a picture of her holding this bag up with her water puke. Well, this keeps going, and pretty soon they're getting like six, seven, eight, nine bottles of water. And the lady who ended up between her and another guy, she really wanted to win this thing because she had his daughter. She wanted to take her to the show. She had cancer. So she was doing this to have a memory with the daughter. She was going to win this thing. And the other guy was like, well, I'm going to win this thing too. <laughs> and they just wouldn't give neither one of them would give up. They just kept drinking. Now they're, I don't know how many bottles of water in, but it's a lot. And so finally the GM decides it's over and we're going to just random draw between the two. Oh God. Oh yeah. no. 
So yeah. the guy wins. The lady, she's bawling now. She just starts bawling. Now, we had tickets for her, though. We didn't tell her that, but we had tickets for the runner-up, so they got tickets to the show anyway. But she starts bawling and crying, and I really wanted to win this. And next thing you know, she's out. There was a river right by the park. She's out by the edge of the river, and I noticed she's just puking up water, like water. Like, no, there's no moral. It's going everywhere. And we all felt horrible because of the way it happened. And we we're all kind of upset because, you know, we knew that it was because certain somebody had to keep changing rules, which is what happened when things weren't moving fast enough with this particular person. But there we have it. We had our winner. We had our loser. And then, of course, about six months later, I think a year later, we heard about the hold your we for a we contest. Yeah. And we all yep. just looked at each other like, wow, we dodged a bullet because we had no idea that could happen. And well, you know what? That, that really came up. I mean, the hold your Wii for a Wii was for a, a Nintendo Wii about 15 years or so, whenever the Wii came out. Yeah. And you and I being in radio, that's an infamous and horrible you know, story. Yeah. But basically, it's a, it's, you know, I was talking with somebody else on the podcast, Phil, a couple of weeks ago, and we all agreed. We said, man, if we would have come up with that idea, I would have done it too. And so everybody's like, oh, you stupid idiots. How dare you do something and like kill somebody? Because basically a woman drank so much water and they and the last one to pee was the winner while she got water intoxication where it thins out your blood so much that she died. And um, and those guys, like they lost their job. The station was sued. And, you know, not even the most horrible thing is the woman died. And I think she was a mom. And uh, but that was as you're telling this story, Phil, I'm like, my God, that's hold your we for a we. Right. But none of us, you know, we're DJs. We're not doctors. Exactly. And we would have never known how dangerous that was. But she was okay. Eventually, yeah. your winner went and she she got, like, okay. to go to the show and everything was okay um, at the she, end. Well, she sent her husband to the show with the daughter. Apparently, she didn't feel good the next day. But she but uh, she, yeah. she lived. <laughs> yeah, she was okay. Wow. But, you know, we all felt really bad about that. We, and we had no idea. Like you said, you know, we weren't doctors. We didn't know that could happen. And um, I remember thinking that when we heard about the Hold Your We for a Wee, which was literally six, six, seven months later, we all remembered that contest. We all looked at each other like, nobody ever breathes a word of this to anybody. <laughs> You know, uh, it is is really one of radio, one of like morning radio wacky DJ dark moments because, you know, th there was another story, and 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 usually when we're doing these podcasts, I, it reminds me of another story, and I'll tell it really quickly. Um, there, when Britney was at her peak, a radio station got a limo and said that Britney Spears was at the station, and they got one of their interns or somebody to dress up like Britney with a wig and you know clothes or whatever, sunglasses and a hat to kind of hide her face. And they whisked her out of the radio station into a waiting limo. And there were apparently hundreds of people outside. And one woman got run over by the freaking limo and died. Um, oh, that's awful. Wow. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's so, it is, it's so awful. But there's so many things in radio now that we have to get permission and legal and everything to look at it before we do a lot of stuff now. Because then that's, that's why. So it's probably a good thing. I was thinking um, that was a brilliant idea up until somebody got ran over. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of, well, yeah. Um, you gave away a car <laughs> and it sounded super cool.
tell me about the 1970 yeah. Firebird giveaway. We called it the uh, Red Hot Summer promotion. It was just uh, the Kicks 95.3 Red Hot Summer. And uh, the idea was we were going to give away a classic car. And originally the station had looked at this old, I think it was like a 1954 pickup truck, like a old Ford. And the, the owner brought it over and it was just beat to crap. You know, it was old looking and they thought, no, no, this would be great. It's a classic. I said, nobody's going to want to win this. <laughs> and uh, my uncle had this Firebird, this 1970 Firebird. It was his pride and joy. He loved this car. But he was looking to get rid of it. And now I now I realize why. <laughs> and uh, it had a pretty red paint job on it. Uh, original. I don't know. I think it was original paint, but pretty, pretty red paint job on it. Um, and the, the interior was all original. Uh, and he said, you know, yeah, yeah, he wanted to sell it. So I brought it to the station and said, they want us, he wants to sell it. We need to buy one for this promotion. This is a great idea. This is a way cooler looking car than this old truck. So everybody agreed to go ahead and, and buy it from my uncle. Well, first of all, my uncle didn't want to sell it for cheap. And there's one thing my uh, the GM at the time really liked was things for cheap. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, he wanted like 10 grand for this car. And I think we ended up buying it for 7,500. He agreed to that. So we get the car and that's when we realize we drive the car from his place to the radio station. That's when we realize this thing is kind of a piece of crap. Um, it pulled to the left. When you drive <laughs> the road, you're constantly having to straighten it out because it pulled to the left all the time. And, uh, you know, everything was old. Obviously it was an old car, but like you had to really like stomp on the brakes that sort of thing and found it didn't have a v8 in it It had a straight six which if you've ever seen a straight six under a hood it's very unimpressive it doesn't look a big engine in a car it's like this little dinky thing compared to what a v8 would look like so (laughs) this tiny little engine so all right well we got it we're gonna give it away we first thing we we take it down we give it this cheap red shiny paint job just freshen up paint through trade, we had a trade deal with somebody. They painted it for trade. Uh, so we did that. And then we had them put on these decals, these big flames. And it was really cool looking. These flames yeah. with, with the logo, with the with our station logo on it. It's, the flames would turn into the logo. And it just looked great. So now we're taking it out to places. All summer long, we're taking it to places where people can sign up. So we're going out. We're going to be out here. Come sign up to win the car. Come out here. Sign up with the car. And we put it in parades. We We took it everywhere. And what would always happen was is somebody would walk up and say, hey, let me see under the hood. And be like, <laughs> oh, no, we don't want to really show you what's under the hood. No, let me see it's under the hood. You lift the hood up and they'd be like, oh, you want to sign up? No, nah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, oh, thanks. that's funny. So, uh, so we do this. Finally, we do this uh, big event at the end of the summer to give the car away at some a local business. And uh, the guy uh, it was a girl who won it. Her and her husband won the car. She won it. Win the car, and everybody's excited. And uh, next day, you know, we get this call saying, um, "Well, we had the, we had to take the decals off before we could give it to them because they had call letters on it." Yeah. So the next day, they call us up and say, "Yeah, um, all the paint came off with the decal, <laughs> and there's a big hole, you know, of the marking of the, the decal. So we had to pay to have the car painted again." And then I I think they ended up selling it to somebody. It was, yeah, it was just, wasn't as bad as the water one, but it was one of those things. It wasn't as, 
it was a cool idea. It was fun to do, but the car ended up being this piece of crap that didn't drive straight and paint came off and oh that's funny little tiny engine and so people were like oh we thought it was going to be you know more of this and not this which is kind of funny you know, a free car <laughs> oh yeah i mean it sounds cool but you're supposed to have a muscle car and it's got the straight six yeah and uh and then uh then it's just kind of a pos car um kind of. uh, i there's probably a lot of stories about radio stations like kind of polishing up something that's not as cool. We won one time our competition was given away. Bon Jovi was huge at the time and our competition was given away an autographed Bon Jovi guitar. And we were basically copying everything that they did a moment after they announced it because the strategy was, and there's a strategy in radio that whoever has the most listeners came up with the idea. So, so basically they were giving away an autograph on Jovi guitar because they knew we couldn't get one. So we couldn't copy it. So what we did is we gave away, it's a Bon Jovi weekend on WNCI. It's a Bon Jovi weekend. Win an autograph guitar. Well, we didn't have an autograph guitar, <laughs> but we got one because we went out and bought an acoustic guitar for like 89 bucks and everybody on the radio station staff and the air staff signed it. So it was an autograph guitar on a Bon Jovi weekend, but Bon Jovi had never laid finger on this guitar and I remember when the listener picked it up, they're like, are you fucking kidding me? This is not about it's an autographed guitar. They're like, you said, and we said, no, no, no. We never said it was autographed by Bon Jovi. So that's Shady. classic. Shady. That's classic. Uh, I love that. So uh, I know you've got some other stories here. Uh, you choose no. which one is next because uh, you had, for example, you want to do the stalker one or which one do you want to go with next? Uh, let, let's. We'll talk about the uh, the commercially radio vet, okay? Who uh, treated me like crap for my first year that I was here. <laughs> uh, this is a funny story because we, I grew I grew up in this where I work. I grew up here and I listened to the radio here, and there was a lot of guys that I listened to on the radio. Some I became really good friends with, and still are friends with to this day. And uh, this guy in particular was probably the best voice you ever heard. Man, I'm not even kidding. This guy is uh, his name was uh, I'm going to say his name because he deserves it. He, he he's passed away. His name was uh, Rich Daniker, and they called him the D on the air. And this guy had pipes like you wouldn't believe, just deep and golden. And he would just talk, and everything just would melt. <laughs> he was so great. Right. So I listened to him for years, and I go off after high school, and I and I go off to National Broadcasting School in Portland, Oregon. If anybody went there. You're probably one of three people that are still working in radio. All right. So I know of one other person that's still working in radio. But um, I'm, I'm going off to this broadcast school. I come home on the weekends, visit mom and dad kind of a thing. And so one day I come home and I'm, I come into the radio station because I know I want to work here when I get back to kind of get my career started, kind of a step off point. And I come down. I want to. Tour the studio. So I asked the receptionist, hey, you know, is it okay if I tour the studio? And Rich, there's a young man out here who would like to see the studio. And he comes out and he's the nicest guy. I mean, the nicest guy. And uh, we talk radio and he tells me a few funny stories and whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, what a great dude. Just everything that I thought of them listening to him growing up. 
Meanwhile, months later, graduate, come home, spend a few months trying to get on here and a couple other radio stations in town. Of course, you know, small markets, they're not always hiring. And finally, I get a call. Yeah, we need you. Come on down. Weekend position. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. I got my first job. Uh, so then I get asked to do my first fill-in shift for one of the full-timers that's going to be going on vacation, which is the night shift, 6 to midnight. And I'm really excited because I get to come in and do, like, you know, big-time, full-on shift radio for all of her. Oh, yeah. He's the guy. He's the afternoon guy. So I walk in, and here's the guy, my buddy, my friend. We met. He was so awesome. I go, and I... Right back in the same studio, right before the shift, I sit down in the guest chair next to the studio, kind of real happy, and I'm smiling, and he's not even looking at me. He's like straight ahead, looking at the board, comes out of whatever he's coming out of, does his sign off, and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Doesn't say a word, unplugs his headphones, walks out the room. Not one word. Whoa. Wow. Cold as ice. And I'm like... Well, maybe he's having a bad day. Next day, same thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, I don't know what's going on. What did I do? I have no idea. Yeah. So there was a, um, no, these are the days we're using carts, you know, like little eight-track tape thing. You know what a cart is, but for those Sure, of you yeah. A lot of people listening might not know. It's kind of an antiquated radio thing that we kept all of our songs and commercials on back then. All the carts for this uh, station I was on was our AM station across the hall was in this room on a wall and you have to come, you have to pick your hour. So you get a sheet. This is your hour. Go pick your carts. I had prepped one hour when I was doing the thing and I was going to go and prep the next hour, you know, toward the end. Cause we had about 10, 15 minute news break at the top of every hour. So there was time. He's in the room doing production it was also our production room. He's in the room now doing production and the wall's in there, and I don't want to walk in and interrupt him in the middle of something, so I'm standing at the window at the door, and I'm looking at him like, I need to come in there. <sighs> need to get some music. Mm. Can you acknowledge me? And I know he sees me, but he's not acknowledging my presence. So finally, I'm like, it's getting close, and I'm like, I gotta go in there. So I open the door, and uh, he just shuts everything off. Well, he was um right in the middle of saying something, so I'm like, I'm just gonna sneak in and grab it. So he's doing his little announcer bid where he was doing. And I just quietly open the door and I walk in and he just stops everything and shuts. God damn it. Wow. God damn it. I fucked the whole thing up. What are you doing coming in here? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll just come back later. That's a goddamn good idea. <laughs> oh, God. So oh. It's kind of, I'm like, holy shit. I don't know what I did to this guy, but he's pissed. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to, to do the job. And so I couldn't think, I couldn't figure out why he hated my gut so much. So I, I asked around and I'm like, you know what? Do you have a problem with it? No, I don't have a problem with Rich. Nobody has, seemed like I'm the only guy in a problem with Rich. And so my mom, who is very therapeutic and very great person to talk to when you have issues, she says to me, and I think she's just trying to make me feel better. She says to me, maybe he's just afraid you might take his job one day. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's it. But I, <laughs> but I made the mistake of telling somebody else at work that. <laughs> and that's what broke the ice. We're having this big meeting. It's a, uh, what do you call the Chamber of Commerce. They come around to businesses once a month, and there's like one business that will host like an after hours, you know. 
it was yeah. our it was our turn to have one. So we're having community members all in. The whole staff is there in the evening. I'm running the board because I'm on. And uh, afterwards, they're all back in the GM's office. And everybody's laughing and having a good time. And I walk in and I'm sitting there laughing. And uh, I said something. And then Rich just says, that's because we're all afraid you're going to take our job one day. <laughs> and then after that, we were good. No shit, really. After but you that, never found out. And so it's a good thing somebody gossiped. You yeah. you shared that. Somebody gossiped. Rich heard about it. Yeah. And that broke the ice. Apparently, his thing was he treated you like shit until you said something to him because I he wanted to know how far he could take it or something that nobody knows why. But he but I wasn't the only one. Most new people would say, and a lot of people, you know, older than in the business would say, hey, fuck you. Who do you think you fucking are? Right? And then he'd be yeah. like, ah, it's nice to meet you. We're, we're going to be good. Well, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm 18 years old, fresh out of broadcasting school, don't know anything about anything, and, and very easily intimidated. And so it just really got to me. And uh, but then next thing you know, and this is a this is a whole year goes by before this happened. So, so now wow. we're and, and he ended up passing away a few years ago. And it was a very sad thing because we ended up becoming very, very great, very good friends. And uh, and I miss the guy to this day. He's, he was that a, is a great story. But, you know, I have to I have to wonder who's. Oper- whose life policy is to treat people like shit until they call you out on it. I have never heard of that one before. I'm going to see how far I can push this person. And once they stop me, then I'll stop. But until then, it's yeah. game on. I've never, I've, I'm going to try that. Phil, I mean, I'm going to start trying. I'm going to go into work tomorrow and treat everybody like shit and see how far they put. Wait, I already do that. <laughs> That, well, you know, now I, w- I won't say that he went on to like everybody. There was a couple yeah. of people that he never liked, but um, he ended up uh, liking me quite a bit. And I remember the first time he asked me to go out and have a drink with him. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to have a drink with you. <laughs> I want to get on your bad side again. Anything you want to do. <laughs> That's so crazy. You know what? I think that one of the things that, you know, in talking to people in radio, you I've never worked in any other business. I've never been in the plumbing field. I've never been in the dentistry field. I don't know nothing but radio. So maybe every field has people that are just really colorful or really bizarre or weird or whatever. But radio has definitely got its share of your down-to-earth, wonderful, normal, loving, caring, kind people. And then it's got its share of like, oh, my God, who do you think you are? And some people get a little taste of fame on the radio and it just goes to their head. And other people can be – I mean, look at like Bobby Bones. I don't know Bobby personally, but – he just seems like the nicest, most down to earth, humble, hardworking person that, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm a multimillionaire and I'm syndicated in 400 markets. So I, I met Bobby at morning show boot camp a couple years ago in Chicago. And I, I was afterwards, you know, everybody's in the bar. If you've been to boot camp, you know, the yeah. bar, the, the bar gets fun. And I, I'd probably been there a little longer than I should have. And I had a few, I had a few in me. <laughs> And I just remember, there's Bobby Bones. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to Bobby Bones. This is gonna be so I walked up and said, hey, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. So we go, <laughs> we go and we sit down. I'm expecting to be very standoffish. Absolutely not. Just talk to me for like a few minutes. And I probably wasn't making a whole lot of sense because like I said, I I had, I, I was a few, a few. in. Point. Yeah. yeah. I think I, think I kind of said something effective. You know, you're pretty great. I was always wondering who this Bobby Bones guy was that was taking all these morning show slots. 
<laughs> country. And he's like, well, it was great talking with you, Phil. <laughs> wow. Of you know that, that that's, super nice that's so he is I mean apparently a really nice guy. Um he embarrassed me when I had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago because he's like, I met you. I came up and I introduced myself to you at one of these morning show boot camps, which is like a big convention. And I truly I don't I think I either don't remember it, which is very possible, or it might not have happened. I'm really not sure because I would think that I met fucking Bobby Bones, I'd remember it, you know? Because he's well, got a really unique look. I mean, he's got a look that you yeah. really don't forget, you know? Here's your litmus test, though. Do you remember meeting me at that boot camp? Uh, n- uh, yeah, yeah. We we had a great con- conversation, Phil. We, no, we- <laughs> no, did we did we meet at a morning show boot camp? Uh, the, it must have been the same one a couple years ago when Bobby was there. Uh, briefly, we met briefly, and I knew you through Studios Think Tank. Yeah. And um, and there's a there's a handful of guys in there that I really admire. You being one of them, and I remember, oh, that's Dave Ryan. I gotta go say hi to Dave Ryan. And it was right in between a session, so I literally walked up and said, "Hey, I'm Phil." Introduced myself. Okay, said, Let- you took a picture of me with your phone because I couldn't find mine. I left it in the. <laughs> okay, I do. I actually do, and sometimes my memory works that way. If you jarred a little bit, I totally do, and I seem to remember we were right outside of the convention hall doors right. when we did this. Yeah, I remember. Yes, it was real quick. It was just one of those. I wanted to say hi, introduce myself, and I never well, thought it'd be on the podcast one day. This is great. Well, you know, it's re- it's really flattering that that people seem to to know me, and I think you know anybody who's been in you know had the same job twenty eight years at a big station like KWB, and I go to those things. You know what? I I love going to help people. I love going to meet people, and um, uh, you know most of the people there are fun to hang out with and fun to get to know. So, well, listen, I don't want to get too inside with us talking about morning show boot camp, but you had mentioned, um, uh, you know, we meet some listeners in radio and I, I honestly think that a lot of people, a lot of listeners, I really think of them as my friends. And I know that sounds kind of weird. I don't have a whole lot of friends in real life. And I think my listeners are my friends and I treat them like friends. And I've always, sometimes I may be a little bit too friendly, but sometimes if you get a little bit too friendly, then people start to push the boundaries a little bit and then they become like, oh my God, too much. You had a stalker that apparently thought you were best friends. Is that right? Oh, we were best buddies in his mind. We were like having dinner together, buddies and doing all that. And and it was a weird thing how we met, but I'm I'm like you. If um, somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I listened to your show. I will always make time, even if I don't have time, I'll make enough time to at least have a positive experience. I don't like to leave yeah. any like, oh, I don't have time for you. You know, like, oh, yeah, hey, of course. What's your name? Oh, thanks for listening. Listen, I'm in a really rush right now, but um, if we were bumping again, maybe we can talk a little longer, you know, whatever. Just try to yeah. be positive and, and give them a great experience as possible. Not that that happens a lot, but it, it happens once in a while. Yeah, sure. Uh, so this guy, I'm doing the show, and this is several years ago, and I'm doing the show, and we were, you know, you're always trying to come up with a bit to get people to call your show so you can have something to talk with people about. And, and uh, we were, I was asking if anybody had ever seen a UFO. <laughs> and I think this guy actually just got off one. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm talking about, have you ever seen a UFO? So he calls the station, and he goes, yeah, yeah, the first interaction, and I remember this, plain as day, first interaction I ever had with the guy. Yeah, yeah, this is Jim from Kazi. Yeah, I just saw a meteor fly across the sky. Did you see that? I'm like, well, I didn't. I'm in a studio, but 
I, I, I throw it out there. Does anybody else see this this meteor just now? That apparently, it's flew across the sky, and uh, nobody calls. You know, <laughs> about the meteor anyway. And so next day, calls me up, and I think we we're talking about television shows. Battlestar Galactica had come up or something. It was real big. Brad Paisley was really into Battlestar Galactica, so we we're kind of talking about the show and how Brad Paisley was a geek and whatnot. And get a call. Hey, this is uh, Jim. You know, Meteor Man. Remember me, the Meteor Man. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said something really strange. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was strange about me and him and somebody else were going to go on a trip to the Battlestar Galactica on a spaceship. It was a weird thing for somebody Whoa. to say. Yeah. To okay, that's great. Thanks for calling. Click. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't put that one on the air. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm... Um, I'm out doing a remote and he shows up to a remote and introduces himself. And he's this older guy smells. (laughs) He didn't like smell like BO, but he smelled, he had an odor about him. And it was kind of like combination of like diesel um, sardines and tobacco. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And, and he, and he must have been, he was a, he was, had to have been a smoker because he had smoker's breath, that bad smoker's breath. So, so he introduces, he comes up and he introduces himself like, oh, hey, you know, I'm trying to be nice to the guy and nice to meet you. Thanks for coming down. Well, he proceeds to stay there through the whole remote and he's close talking me, you know, right up to my face. And I take a step back. He takes a step forward and takes a step oh boy. back. He's, and I'm like, this guy's breath. Oh my God, I'll take this. And uh, so the, the whole, it was like a two-hour remote, and he's there the whole time. So finally, I'm packing up, and he's still talking with me, packing things up, and blah blah blah. And this happened every remote I did. Every remote I did, he'd show up, and he'd get right in my face, and he'd want to talk to me about all kinds of different things, and ask me questions about the radio, and how do you do this when you're doing the radio? And I'd just be like, Yeah, Jim, you know, I do have to talk with other people. Because I'm here doing a thing, and I got I got to take care of business. So you might want to just you know give me just give, give me a little space. I'd be great. oh yeah yeah yeah. Then five minutes later, he'd be right back. You know, and uh, so he showed up like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine remotes. What it was a lot. Like every one he'd show up, and I finally just had yeah. to tell him, you gotta you gotta just I gotta do my job too. Remember, I'm still working, Jim. I can't just you know I appreciate listening and whatnot, but I can't spend all my time with you. I gotta gotta do my job here. I got a job to do. Totally. Yep. One morning. I'm doing a show and I'm talking about how I liked razor clams. Razor clams. Are you familiar with razor clams or kind of a Pacific Northwest? No, not at all. Razor clams are something that can only be dug on the Pacific Northwest. And we have digs about eight, nine times a year where people come and they dig these razor clams. And they're delicious if you've ever had them. They're just absolutely delicious. And I love razor clams, but I don't go digging for them. So I never get them. That's the only way you can get them. Either in a restaurant that serves them or... You know, somebody gives you some, like a family member went out and I had, and there was a clam dig. So we're talking about, I love clams. I haven't had clams in forever, but boy, I hope not get out and maybe dig some, maybe I'm not going to. A couple days later, I'm at my house. I just got home. It's like one in the afternoon. Sitting there, I'm having some lunch and uh, my kids, it's summertime. My kids are pretty young. I have a son with autism and my daughter was probably about six or seven, about six. And he was about 10. They're out in the yard playing. And next thing you know, I can hear them talking to somebody. So I go out. There's Jim, the meteor man. Oh, boy. At your house. At my house. And I don't, I'm not listed. 
you know? So he had, he had to follow me because <laughs> he used to park in the radio station parking lot. He used to come in a lot and want to talk to me. And so I would just tell them if he shows up, I'm not here. And they'd warn me, Oh, by the way, your, your friend is here. And so I just stay back here. They say, they'd tell him I was in a meeting and finally he'd just go off. Well, then what he'd started doing, he started parking in the parking lot and there's a big picture window in the front of the station. You have to go from the studios to where the bathrooms are. You have to walk right past it. So he'd wait to see me walk past to the bathrooms and then he'd come in. Cause you know, I'd have to come out of the bathrooms before. I get Oh, back. oh man. Right. That I have to talk to him. So, he must have followed me home. That's the only way I can figure. And uh, so he's out there and he's coming. He's got this Taco Bell, you know, those plastic Taco Bell cups. Like you get the extra large drinks in. He's got one of those cups with them and there's tinfoil over the top of it. And he's walking up to the door. And I'm like, Jim, I finally just, I got the guy's face. I go, dude, you can't come to my house. I go, I appreciate you like the show. I really do. But this is crossing a line. Yeah. Just- big time. You can't show up my house. Well, no, no, but you're going to like what I got. for. I don't care what you got from me. This is, I'm going to call the police, (laughs) you know, and and he's not getting it. And he said, well, you're really going to want this. You're really going to want this. No, I don't want whatever's in that cup. I don't want it. So he insisted. If I I take it, will you leave? Yes, I'll leave. Razor clams, raw. Mm. In the cup. So I'm like, I'm going to need these. (laughs) So he left. I thank you. Don't come. Thank you. Thank. Don't come here again. Thank you. Threw him out. Threw out the razor. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. We have a policy usually about listener food. Unless you know the listener well, somebody brings by like you know like food. It's like you try it first. No, you try it first. No, you try it first. So did was this the end of the meteor man, or did he keep coming no. by after this? No, not 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 at all. He started. He oh, kept, good. Oh, there's more. So doing a bit where I was unhappy with my stove for whatever reason, the stove was having problems with the stove. The burners won't sit level. I got to go do this event that I know he's going to be waiting for me at. So I'm trying to figure out. So I don't tell him it's an all day thing. So I don't tell on the air what time I'm going to be there. I'm figuring he'll think I'm going to be there in the morning. I'm going to show up in the afternoon. So I show up to the event. And as I'm walking in, before I even get in the doors, boom, there's meteor man. Boom. Hey, hey, Blues. Hey, you know that thing you were talking about the other day? You were talking about your stove and I can help you fix that. I can come over to your house and I can fix that for you. And I'm like, uh, I don't uh, I don't remember talking about that. He goes, what? I don't I don't I don't remember talking about that. He goes, you don't remember talking about that? I did. I just told him I didn't. <laughs> and then I finally go, look, I don't remember everything I talk about, Jim. And he kind of got disheartened and he just kind of, oh, OK. And off he went. Didn't hear from him for like months. All of a sudden he shows up again, starts, starts in again. My brother is a police officer. It lived in the town where this guy lived, knew who he was. <laughs> and I uh, said, you want me to say something to him? I go, no, I think I can, I can handle this guy. And he goes, trust me in the business that I'm in. Don't think that this guy's harmless. You know, you just never know. You never know. Never know. And I said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Well, he knew my brother was a police officer because I talked about it. So one day he sees my brother and he realizes who is my brother. And so my brother being the cop that he is, uh, didn't have time for him and just basically told him to, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. Got to go, you know, and was not really friendly, but he called me up and says, yeah, I was talking with your brother. It wasn't really that friendly to me. Like, well, he's not me. <laughs> and then he ended up <laughs> over and getting a speeding ticket and a, 
no proof of insurance ticket. So it was like a $500 ticket with the no proof of insurance. So he comes to me and he's complaining to me about my brother. And my brother gave him a ticket. And then I should be able to get him out of the ticket. Like, I can't do that. Next thing you know, this is how it ends, Dave. And you're not going to believe how this thing ends. I get a call from okay. my brother. Get a call from my brother. And he says to me, do you feel like there's somebody watching over your shoulder right now? I go, dude, that's not funny. He goes, no, like a ghostly presence. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, Jim died this morning. We just went and got the body out of the house. Oh, I'm wow. Like, I've never been more relieved yet. Yeah. I'm sorry somebody died, but I've. it was a relief because I didn't know where this guy was going because he was just getting more personal every time. So it was. Hey, you know what? It, that's that's it's a frightening story. It really is because there's really nothing you can do. I mean, there's really. I mean, you you thought you would you know say, hey, listen, you can't come to my house. You can't do this. We're not friends. Whatever. And he just wasn't hearing it. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I when you say a relief, I don't fault you for that at all, dude. Seriously, yeah. because you know, of course, you don't want anybody to die. No. But at the same time, here was a guy who, where would it stop? He was not getting it. Where would it stop? And it turned out the guy was a hoarder. He had his whole house was just like you could barely get through it. There was like little trails of the stuff piled high everywhere. And uh, my wife and I had went out of town. We're coming back into town one day, and we noticed that the Tacoma bomb squad is headed to town. So I called my brother like, hey, did you call the bomb squad? You know, jokey, jokey, laughy, laughy. He goes, yeah, I did. Why? I go, well, because they just passed us on the highway coming into town. He goes, oh, yeah, Jim's house. <laughs> what? They found a like a stinger missile case. <laughs> oh, his- God, like a military grade. That's right. the only kind of missile that I know of, like a military grade missile, like a, like a missile or something. And, and so nobody would open it. And uh, it was all sealed up. An old, like it'd been there a while. And well, it turned out, so they had to call the bomb squad. It's like protocol. Turned out they opened it up. It was filled with sand and cigarette butts. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the only stalker wow. ever. I had a couple people that were not even close to this guy's status that got a little clingy, but but really but realized boundaries later. But I just you know what you know, I think? wish I could have had at least a hot girl be my stalker. That would have been nice, but no. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think you're so right though, because I am, I try to be like you in that if somebody comes up to me at the grocery store, I always want them to walk away with like, yeah, I met Dave Ryan at the grocery store. He was actually pretty cool. I usually try to talk to them maybe a little longer than they expect because yeah. I'd rather have them walk away going, fuck, I winked up to Dave Ryan. Remind me not to talk to that guy again. He won't shut up. I'd rather have that. Then, because one story got back to me one time, I was at a coffee shop here in town and somebody said, are you Dave Ryan? And I get that a lot yeah. because, you know, they're not sure they might recognize the voice, but, you know, they might not know my face. Are you Dave Ryan? So I thought I was being funny and I said, I might be. And I wasn't <laughs> trying to be a dick. Yeah. But then she either went on Facebook or social media and talked about how, oh, yeah, Dave Ryan came into her coffee store. And I simply asked him a, a question, are you Dave Ryan? Because I listened to a show and he was such a dick. He said, I might be. And I'm like, oh, so now, and that wasn't even that long ago. So now I always try to like be really friendly. Yet at the same time, 
you don't want to give somebody the false idea that they're invited to your next barbecue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that happened with the guy at a car wash once. A guy was doing a car wash, and I'd go in and get the station vehicle wash. It was next to the station. He found out who I was. He thought I was just some grunt getting the car wash, and then like the third or fourth time I brought it through, asked me who I I was on the air, and then he found out who I was. He's like my best buddy. So every time I bring the car in, he's oh yeah, how's it going? He's really friendly, and oh I like this guy. And then the fifth or sixth time, he's like, hey, would you and your wife like to come to my house for dinner? Oh boy. And I never went back. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, I I totally get it. It's kind of like, I mean, you could work at a bank and have somebody all of a sudden think that they're your friend. And it makes us all because, I mean, I'm really protective of like my personal life and privacy and that type of thing. And, um, uh, you know, I'm very friendly, like the guy that gets my coffee down at the coffee store now. We're buddies. We're like buddies. And I probably would go to his house if he asked me to go. But it's like we've, you know, like, you know, it's sometimes you do become friends. Like, you know what, Phil, I got to tell you, you were fascinating. Love your stories. um, And uh, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, Where can people find out more about you? Everybody, you got a website, you got a Facebook, you got Instagram. Where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, At The Loose Man on Instagram at uh, T-H-E-L-U-C-E-M-A-N. Uh, Facebook is, I'm just Phil Loose on Facebook. I don't have one of those fancy entertainer pages. I don't have enough people would like it in order, but uh, <laughs> I'd and, like it, Phil. My, uh, uh, please friend me. I would love that. Uh, and then my uh, website for our station is uh, kix953.com, kix953.com. And, you can actually listen to my show anywhere in the world, thanks to the World Wide Web and uh, iHeartRadio. Although we're not an iHeart station, but iHeart lets us be on their app. Uh, that is very cool because it is actually, you know what? I mean, I have to plug it anyway as, as part of my job, but it is actually a really cool app. It's like, wow, this is actually pretty fucking cool. So, yeah. Phil, the loose man, um, I'm glad we got a chance to chat a little bit more than we did uh, last time at Morning Show Boot Camp. Uh, you're a funny guy. Uh, I hope nobody listens to this and says, I'm going to listen to Phil's show instead of Dave's show, but I guess that's a risk I take in doing this podcast. But, uh, thanks for the stories, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Dave. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. I got to tell you, Phil is one of those guys where he might not work in a big giant market and uh, but he is one of those guys who's seen it all he's been there for a long time you can hear my clock chiming in the background i'm going to keep talking so you can't hear it um he's one of those guys that's been through everything and some of these smaller markets you see a lot of fun stuff and sometimes not so fun all right uh thanks for listening we'll do it again next week thanks for all the feedback i'm getting a lot of good feedback on the podcast and i think people really enjoy this radio war stories continues next week and if you're a radio person and you want to be a guest i'd love to have you on send me an email to dave ryan at kdwb.com and we'll see you next week on take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything